Hello and welcome back to the Women's Soccer Podcast. I am your host, Liam Greco, but you may know me better as LDG. In today's episode, I will be recapping the US Women's National Team's heartbreaking loss to the Swedish in the round of 16. I'll be giving my perspective on individual player performance, team chemistry and tactics on and off the ball, my starting love in it for the US Women's National Team as of now, and so much more. Before we start, please take a moment to follow us here on Apple Podcasts and on Instagram at the Women's Soccer Podcast with underscores in between each word. While you're listening, feel free to leave a five-star review down below with a women's soccer question for me for our upcoming Q&A episode. Thanks so much for your support. It means the world for me. But let's get right into this podcast. This is a match that still gives me a lot of anger, 24 hours removed. I just felt like the U.S. Women's National Team deserved so much more than to walk away with a loss because they were the much better team for the 120 minutes on the pitch. Sweden failed to get any domination on the ball like we've expected from them after watching previous matches. And the U.S. had 58% of possession. We had 22 shots. We had 11 times more shots in target than them. And we just couldn't find the back of the net. We had three times more corners. And... Our pass accuracy is better. We were the better team on the field. And I think the reality is, is that in sports, the better team doesn't always win. And I think this is frustrating because this is the U.S.'s best performance. And the reality is, as this loss cannot be blamed on this match, it can be blamed on the lackluster performances that we saw in the group stage, which I referenced in episode 48. They played so poorly in the group stage, which is what put them in this situation against Sweden. If we had won our matches and taking care of business in the group stage we would have rolled against south africa no disrespect to them but they got dominated by netherlands in the match right before us honestly i feel like this u.s team needs change i said black on my last episode if he does not get fired something must be really wrong in the federation after getting the u.s's pro the u.s women's soccer program their worst ever result at a women's world cup he has got to go you know he I'm sure he's a very nice person. I was pretty harsh of him in my last episode. Um, I said he needed to improve. He did, you know. There was improvement seen, but at the end of the day, they still lost, and this program needs a new direction, which will start from a new coach. Next, I think we need to integrate more younger players. I'm doing an episode very coming out very shortly talking about young players who I think should get called up to the U.S. Women's National Team. But I think that this U.S. team, they didn't really, like, show any sign of progression throughout the tournament which was really concerning to me considering this is a team that had a lot of experience and they were also integrating a lot of new players 14 of the 23 players had never played at a women's world cup before so that's kind of a very big problem for the u.s side because you need world cup experience and at the end of the day sweden just had that composure in the penalty shootout a lot of people may blame this match on the players who missed the penalty kicks but the reality is is this performance should be blamed on the 11 players in the field every single one of the u.s players failed to score a goal in the 120 minutes on the field so the reality is is make a penalty kick or not it's your responsibility to finish the ball in the back of the net and at the end of the day no one could do so and scoring one goal in the last three matches that's not that's lackluster for any team and that is pathetic for the u.s women's national team a team known for dominance and attacking excellence on and off the field for social justice reasons and for finishing the ball in the back of the net and this tournament team it didn't seem like the u.s women's national team this did not look 
like the awesome Zafrin that we all know and love. Sure, they grew into the tournament. They got shots. We saw that against Sweden. But the reality is, is they still didn't finish them. And they were not clinical enough. Maybe in a segment later, hint, hint, we'll be talking about who I think is responsible for the lackluster finishing that we saw on display in all four matches. But, you know, I think we just got to hold our hat to how to Sweden. They did better in the shootout. And let's not... Throw the, let's not play the blame game. As the US is fans, we need to stop throwing blame anywhere and everywhere we can look. We need to, you know, focus on the fact that we didn't score enough goals this tournament and our offense was just not good enough. And it wasn't because of those the, those misses. It was because of the lack of offensive firepower that we saw and the lack of balls in the back of the net. Because the reality is, is you could have the best defense in the world, which I would say ours is up there, but if you can't get the ball in the back of the net, you can't win soccer matches. And unfortunately for the U.S. women's national team, they experienced the, that absolute dilemma, struggling to get any shots that really got past Zakira Musevic, the Swedish goalkeeper. We talked about some of my general thoughts of this episode of this episode for this match, but now we'll move into tactics. But first, we're gonna have to talk about some of the players and some of the players I thought played well, and some of them who I didn't exactly love. Let's start at the back of the field with Alyssa Nair. She was the hero of this match, saving two penalty kicks, scoring a penalty kick. You know, 85% pass accuracy, not bad for a goalkeeper. She was very good at playing under the back, and the composure that she showed elevated this team all across the tournament. I love Casey Murphy more than anyone, but I think that Casey Murphy doesn't have enough experience to play at this level yet. I think Murphy will definitely be up there. You know, Nair's already 35, so I think you could expect to see Murphy at the next Women's World Cup playing a much bigger role than on the bench, but... Overall, Nair played a great, did a good job, put in a nice shift this tournament, and I thought I was really happy with how she participated in the shootout. The loss was not her fault whatsoever. Moving on to left back, Crystal Dunn, the Portland Thorns player. Um, she didn't have the best tournament, I thought, but in this game particularly, I was really impressed of her. 82% pass accuracy. She was very successful with getting passes up the field. She was 50% on long balls, which may not seem very high, but that is a very high stat. Like, um, in general, playing long balls from left-back position is a very complex skill that not a lot of players have. Long balls is one of the hardest passes to make accurately, so for Dunn to make a few of those was impressive. Defensively, I thought she played great, which is one of my critics from her in the last few matches. Um... She's great with ground duels, good with aerial duels. She won all of her tackles, which I thought was nice. Made a few good header clearances. Her recoveries were great. You know, she got beat a few times, but you—that's that's what it's important. You got to get back there and keep on trying. And I thought she did a good job recovering from a few instances where you know the ball got past her. But yeah, I thought she did a nice tournament. I thought my one critique for her was I thought she was just good for a lot of the tournament, which I know may seem very vague but I thought she got like better as more of an all-around player throughout the tournament um we the player we knew that Crystal had in her was really showcased as the tournament went on as a player who can play up and back moving on to the center of the field Naomi Gurma at center back 
I thought she had an, the best tournament out of all the rookies. Um, her accurate long balls, she kept on playing those and was killing it there. She did a great job, you know, really showing her abilities with passing. You know, she made almost 100 passes and was accurate on 76% of them. And I think for Gurma, you know, this is her first ever big World Cup. And I think... With the loss of Becky Sauerbrunn, it was still really impressive to me at just 24 years old, the composure that Naomi Gurma poses. Julie Ertz at what may be her last World Cup, as she said vividly in the press conference, not to, you know, speculate or anything, but she said, as she said, this may be the last time she puts on the jersey for the U.S. team. She left it all out there on the field. I thought she was incredible with her tackling. I know I don't how a lot of people were very critical of her because I thought she did a great job in this tournament, you know. Not really much to say, but I think the leadership that she provided was so incredible and her intelligence and IQ were showed at the highest level. Emily Fox is a player who I thought also, like Crystal Dunn, grew into the tournament and fullbacks rely a lot on tactical analysis from the coaching staff, which was not provided at all from the point of view of a spectator, but I thought Fox and Dunn did a good job in the last match. Fox especially was when I really liked watching. Her passing abilities were good. She was a nice job at dribbling into the final third. Her crossing is something maybe she could work on. That I know that's more of Sophia Horst's specialty. But at just 25 years old, night solid debut from Emily Fox. Expect to see her on the 2027 playing roster for this U.S. team. Andy Sullivan's a player who was on the roster four years ago, but got limited minutes, playing in a much bigger role this time after Julie Earth was forced to move back to the back line. Sullivan did a good job providing composure, not just from the penalty spot, but from the middle of the pitch. I thought she was another player who really grew into this tournament. Specifically in this match, she was great with duels. She won on her tackles. She did a nice job with some long balls as well. Good job with dribbling. I really liked her passing as well. I thought she was a player who really had her best performance of the tournament in that match um, against Sweden. I thought she struggled a little bit in a few other matches, but I really was proud of how she got back up and, you know, really put a great effort out there. Emily Sonnet was a player who I thought could have been women of the match for the U.S. team. 89% from passing accuracy. We'll talk about her connection with Rodman on the field, which is the former Washington Spirit connection. You could see that. Rod- Rodman was making the right runs, which we'll talk about later, and Sonnet was finding her. Sonnet's passes were so good. She was that connecting piece from the midfield from the defense to the midfield to the offense that they were missing. The defense was forced to play long balls that were not working. And Sonnet putting herself in great positions in, when she got implemented in this midfield system after the Lavelle suspension. Sonnet did a great job finding the right spaces, getting out of tight spaces, and finding that good pass. So those passes may look very simple, those ground passes, but breaking the lines was so incredible from Sonnet. Great job from Emily in this match. Moving on to the attacking midfield line with the wingers Trittany Rodman I thought was one of my favorite players in this match she was a great job dribbling up the field you know she's still just 21 years old she still has obviously a lot of room to grow like anyone does any soccer player can grow a lot more but I loved watching Trittany Rodman she was one of my favorite players to see burst up that sideline and really cause a lot of chaos for the defenders I think she's a player in four years who can be a star if she isn't already one right now maybe a little bit more composure in front of goal but the chances and the shots that she created in this match was really impressing me Lindsay Horan had a good tournament all around I thought that her match against Sweden wasn't the best in my opinion um 
Her passing wasn't great, 65% pass accuracy. I know statistics don't tell the whole story. However, I thought Harian didn't do a good job of breaking down the Swedish defense in the final third. Her shots kind of were A-wire. She didn't really get on the ball a lot, I would say. She got dispossessed multiple times. Defensively, she didn't really drop back very much, and she struggled on the ground duels, which she got beaten a lot of the times with only winning 38% of the ground duels. Not good. And for a player who's known in the air, only winning 62% of aerial duels isn't very great either. The 29-year-old clearly had a good tournament for the U.S., and she was one of my favorite players at the tournament for this side, although I thought that in her last match she really didn't do the best I've ever seen her play. I thought she struggled a little bit. Along with Sophia Smith, I agree that Smith, you know, and don't get me wrong, I think it was a completely unfair situation that Vlako and Donovsky put her in with that last penalty kick at just 22 years old. I was infuriated that he couldn't have put Rapino there instead of Smith. I know Rapino missed, but Smith was a player who I really thought played great against Vietnam, and I think she just maybe struggled this tournament because she was I don't I don't really know how to put a finger on it because she's been playing so dynamic in the NWSL maybe it's just NWSL versus world thing um she did a nice job with duels I thought that she didn't win her tackle she doesn't exactly track back a lot and she's her passing is something I think she could really work on her she made a lot of passing errors she didn't really get a lot of shots I just I don't know I feel like Sophia Smith wasn't just very electric in this match. Oh, this is a hard one to say. Last but not least, Alex Morgan. Morgan's one of my favorite players, but I will even admit she had one of the worst tournaments on this team. At 40, 33 years old, I, after this match, I wanted to cry, knowing that this could be her last ever match with the U.S. Women's National Team. This is my favorite player growing up. I went to I went all the way to Philadelphia to see her on the US team play in the Victory Tour in the last World Cup and it just really hurts to see how so many legends of this US team this is how their career may end. And I think it's really sad because Morgan has had one of the best careers in the world. She's a clinical dynamic finisher and at this tournament unfortunately we just didn't really see that side of her. She struggled a lot passing especially made a lot of errors. She was offsides a lot. In this match, um, she didn't do very well in ground duels, only winning 20% of them. I don't know, honestly, with Morgan. I was really sad to see how she played this tournament. Um, She didn't exactly have much help, which, to be fair, her forwards didn't help her very much either. Like, her ring and Rodman and Smith didn't get the ball to her enough. But yeah, that's such as life. I think Morgan didn't have her best tournament ever. That's very fair to say, I would think. And it really just disappoints me because I think she's been playing so well last year and then to be sell this year, she's had a pretty decent season as well. But no dice for Morgan as she couldn't find her way onto the score sheet this cup. We kind of started talking about this in the last segment, but tactically, I thought the U.S. played much better in a 4-2-3-1 formation than the 4-3-3 holding. They, the combination 
and chemistry of the team was much better as well. I thought Samet and Sullivan played really well in the double six with a three roaming style and they found the outlet passes to forwards helping helping the US team succeed. They were just a few pieces away from finishing the ball in the back of the net. I thought Sonnet to Rodman was a passing combination. I loved all match wrong. Sonnet playing the right defensive midfielder would peel away from the midfielders of the Swedish side and look to play that through ball to Rodman. Rodman did a good job getting on the end of those. Maybe just the final cross or the final pass was missing or the final shot was missing from this U.S. team to get the ball in the back of the net. Fox to Williams also off the bench was a combination I thought was very dynamic. Fox would often peel wide and receive the passes. We talked about earlier about her great great passing accuracy and I loved how she would always play those looping passes to Williams and knowing Williams's pace to help Williams get on the end of those which I thought Williams did a really good job of finding the space and areas off the bench in this match. Um, A few other combinations I liked. I really liked how Dunn would peel centrally and I think she did it a little bit too much in the prior two matches but she became a target for Gramatic past two, which I thought was a nice touch for this U.S. team to allow Dunn to use her attacking counts and get up the field a little bit more. When fully fit, I believe that the best U.S. team is Alyssa Nair in goal with Casey Murphy backing her up, Crystal Dunn as a left back with Carson Pickett as her backup, Tierna Davidson and Naomi Gurma as center backs, with Sarah Gordon and Abby Dahlkemper as their backups. Emily Fox as the right back, with Casey Kruger as her backup. In the defensive midfield, Julie Ertz with Andy Sullivan as her backup, along with Emily Sonnet, who isn't on the graphic, but Emily Sonnet and Sam Crawley are two I would include in there. Rose Lavelle as a center midfielder, with Haran as well as another option. I kind of have those as, you know, in and out. Either would work. Moving up to the attacking midfield line on the left side, Mallory Swanson as left winger with Morgan Weaver as the backup. Panarina Macario as the attacking midfielder with Ashley Sanchez as a backup. Trittany Rodman as the right winger with Lynn Williams as a backup. And Sophia Smith with the, as the striker with Ashley Hatch and Alex Morgan as the backups. That is my U.S. team. If you'd like to see the full graphic, look on our Instagram. We'll, we'll be posting it once this episode comes out. And now let's move on to a new segment of this episode. Sports, whether it's a franchise or a country, many fans ask what's next after a very big loss or change in something. And I think the U.S. is going through both of those things. We're losing big matches and <laughs> there's a lot of change within our team as we've talked about in the past episode 50 will be coming out soon it's my master list of players to call up to the u.s women's national team and i think when you're thinking about what's next for the u.s sure it could be calling up some of those young players but it it's such more than that i think When you're thinking about what's next, I divided this question into three parts. Youth academies, club level, and internationally. For youth academies, there's got to be better options for girls to play in the U.S. In Europe, they have academies for all the best teams. Chelsea, Barcelona, Olympic Lyonnais, etc. All have academies. And I think the U.S. needs to implement an academy system and get rid of the draft because... um, Or even if you keep the draft in the NWSL... 
you could have every NBSL team have like a USLW league team or some sort of academy system where teams are connect even if it's just connecting the academies to the teams and allowing the teams to produce these players and then bring them into the draft that would be so beneficial for the league but also for the national team to develop more talents and just have some sort of more concrete academy system if that makes sense where every team has like some sort of academy that's directly related to them I know there's a lot of teams that pull academy players for the USLW league teams if they have one from local teams but I think that we need to get these players in a professional or semi-professional environment at the NWSL level I think it's very basic either bring more players to your league or accept the fact that U.S. players are going to go to Europe because the reality is is that with the world expanding it's not just the U.S.'s game anymore there's so many incredible countries out there that we've been seeing at the World Cup put on great shows and I think the U.S. Women's Soccer League needs to acknowledge that with the, with the England Women's League had more than 90 players we just we had just 60 so representing at the World Cup so I think that in that perspective, we need to get more international players so that the U.S. can play a more tactical possession style, which we've seen with some teams, like the Courage. But we need better players in our league as we continue to expand because the reality is, is at a club level, when we expand 14, 16, 18 teams, if you just keep the same talent, it's just going to um, collapse the talent level because... You're just spreading out all the talented players in the league. And now you have more roster spots that are open. And you could fill those with more international players and allow the U.S. women's national team players that are playing in the NBSL to experience playing against German players. And I think the best way to do this is get away with the international spot system. NWSL, your moneymakers are these big star players and you are going to lose them if they can't participate against big international talent. Get Sam Kerr to the NWSL. Get Vivian Miedema to the NWSL. Get Alexandra Pop to the NWSL. You have money. This league is money. And I think whether it's expanding the salary cap, maybe getting rid of it. I'm not the biggest fan of that, but I know some people talk about that. Expand it from like, I know it's about $2 million now. Get it to $10 million. Get it to five, even $5, 8000000 million. You, can, you need to compete with the world and get better players to the league. It's not, and then at the U.S. level, it's not a very big problem. Um... I'll talk about on my master list. We have plenty of players. It's about finding the right coach and giving those players an opportunity. Because the big thing is, is there's so many great, talented players in the NWSL, in college, abroad, that we need to just give them a chance on the U.S. team. And that's a problem. Me, officials, one of them, I think, what are you doing, Gladko? I mean, we all ask that question many times, let's be honest. Um, Jaden Shaw, he hasn't called up yet. Oh, there's many players that I could... Bethany Balsery and Morgan Weaver, he has not given nearly a fair enough chance to. There's so many players that he really... Or whoever the next coach is going to be, because he... Hopefully, he... We move on from Blacko and get a newer coach. I won't say hopefully he gets fired, because that's mean. He's a nice person. He's just not a very good fit with this team. And I think that whatever the new coach is going to be... They need to ensure this U.S. team implements more young talent and gives a chance to players to play at that world's highest level. Because the feeling is, is the talent level's there, 
and we just need to keep on producing more at a youth level, but at the same time, we still have a lot of good players at the senior level that are currently playing, and so give them chances young. Use the Olympics as a chance to give these players chances leading up to 2027, where hopefully the U.S. women's national team can regain their crown as the world's greatest women's soccer team. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you enjoyed the Women's World Cup. If you love the Women's World Cup, be sure to check out your local NWSL teams and support them. The NWSL is where all of the U.S. Women's National Team players play, except for one, and we have plenty of international players, even though I said we need more. We still have plenty, and it's just such a great, fun experience. You get to meet the players afterwards. The quality of soccer is incredible, on par, I would say even better than the MLS. Support your NWSL teams, everyone. Go out to matches. Watch them. If you don't have a team near you, watch the matches on TV. And yeah, that's everything for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode again. Go to your NBCL teams. And yeah, that's all. Thanks from your host, LDG. And peace out.